Hey, everybody. It is Wednesday, October 26th. I'm Mo Shwanunu, and you're listening to the Mo News Podcast. This is the place where we bring you just the facts from verified sources and a breakdown of what matters in the news. We read all the news, or at least we try to, and read between the lines so you don't have to. Without further ado, the big headline today, everybody, <laughs> is that my friend and colleague Jill Wagner is back from maternity leave. Jill. Hi. Mosh, hi. Um, I'm so happy to be back. Um, it has been a crazy few months. A huge adjustment, by the way, to go from one kid to two kids. And no yeah. one tells you that <laughs> until after the kid is born. A friend a couple weeks ago was like, yeah, you know, one is one and two is 10 for, for kids. And it's so true. So it's been a whirlwind. But uh, I'm thrilled to be back. What have I missed? Well, a, a lot. I actually looked at the numbers. So for those of you who have started listening since July, Jill and I launched this podcast together back in June. And then she uh, went on maternity leave. I think the, the little one showed up a little bit earlier than expected. Right, Jill? Yes, yes. And so uh, since you've been gone, you've missed about 80 episodes of the podcast <laughs> since we took it daily. <laughs> but no one's counting. Actually, today... You're like today, 81 by the way, and a half episodes, Jill. Where the Jill, hell have you been? I had to do 80 episodes by myself. Today actually is episode 95, so you're back just in time to celebrate episode 100 of the Mo News podcast sometime next week. Awesome. Great. In addition... In the time you've been gone, uh, Great Britain has had three prime ministers. We'll tell you about the new one today. Elon Musk <laughs> tried to buy Twitter again, then stopped buying Twitter, then tried to buy them again. We'll have an update on that. Um, there's still a war in the Ukraine. And I think the most important headline, frankly, from my perspective, Jill, is that in the time you were gone, we learned that we can actually save Earth from meteors. NASA launched a, a capsule into an asteroid 7 million miles away at 14,000 miles per hour and hit it bullseye. And knocked it off its trajectory. So now our biggest challenge is just um, saving Earth from humans. Yeah, we're we're totally screwed, basically. <laughs> um, <laughs> By the way, if you heard the noise behind me, uh, I'm coming to you from a, a, a business center at the Montage in Laguna Beach, where I'm at the Wall Street Journal Tech Live conference. So you might hear some background noise. Um, Mosh, a real commitment to this podcast. I love it. I, I've loved actually listening to the podcast and reading the newsletter as a viewer or a reader, really taking a step back. You and I are so involved with the news. It's like we eat, sleep, and breathe it. And so there's right. something really nice about stepping away and just sort of enjoying it and, and dipping in and out as as you want. Um, but I'm very, very happy to be back. And with that, let's get to some headlines. Let's do it. Adidas finally cutting ties with Kanye West over his racist and anti-Semitic comments. Twitter workers are flocking to other tech companies. So where are they going? And a few days before Halloween, a headline that could make you scream. We're going to tell you which city is the most rat infested in the country. Yeah, you've, yeah. Made me, you've made me not Google this before, so I can't <laughs> wait for this surprise later in the podcast. Uh, we love a deep tease here at Mo News. Let's start with the train wreck that is Kanye West. Amid tons of pressure, Adidas has finally said that it will cut its decade-long partnership with Kanye West, a.k.a. Ye, after he made a slew of anti-Semitic and racist comments. The decision, though, has some big repercussions on both ends. As NPR points out, uh, Ye's nearly decade-long partnership with the German sportswear giant helped make the rap superstar a billionaire and vaulted his Yeezy-branded sneakers to a global audience. Meanwhile, shares of Adidas fell on Tuesday. The company estimates it's going to lose about $250 million in sales just for the end of this year. So this is big business here, Mosh. 
Totally. Uh, there was a huge social media campaign to get Adidas to drop Ye. Incidentally, apparently he himself was pushing to get out of that deal. So some people are saying, so did they reward him in some way because he's trying to go independent? Either way, they've been reviewing their partnership for a while now. This is going back to the Paris Fashion Week where he wore a White Lives Matter shirt. Uh, Adidas was one of the last holdouts. Balenciaga, another brand, had already dropped him. By the way, once Adidas dropped the news earlier on Tuesday, like literally minutes or a couple hours later, Gap, uh, which ended his relationship with Kanye West a weeks ago, uh, officially announced they're going to stop selling his products and shut down his Yeezy line. No more website, no more inventory. Uh, he's also lost his talent agency, CAA. Twitter and Instagram continue to uh, ban him from posting new things on the platform. And as I noted, there was a huge outcry here against Adidas, threats to boycott the sportswear maker. Uh, you know, people wondering about Adidas's history. You know, they were founded by two uh, guys who were members of the Nazi parties, two brothers. And so if people are like, well, you know, with those optics, Adidas, you, you need to drop yay here. Um, but, you know, as somebody just coming back into the news cycle here, Jill, uh, what do you make of all of this? Well, you know, I've been following the anti-Semitism beat, if I could call it that, for a, a long time. And this is quite near and dear to my heart. Um, unfortunately, none of this is surprising to me. I guess most surprising has been this outpouring of support from the non-Jewish community really standing with the Jewish community and, and demanding that these companies cut ties with Kanye West. But I will say it's just it's quite troubling to see the comments on all of these posts. So I've been monitoring social media kind of like a crazy person for the past week, between, even more between so. Between juggling the two kids and monitoring the social media. Yeah. And to the point where I've actually, because it's so upsetting to me, I've actually had to say to myself, put the phone down for a while because I, mm -hmm. I have to take care of my kids and just not be all consumed with this. But, you know, it's you see celebrities like Reese Witherspoon, for example, posting a pretty generic but simple message saying, I support my Jewish friends. And they've had to actually turn their comments off because people are then replying to those messages with the most anti-Semitic stuff, not anonymously right. with their names, with their photos. And it just shows you how normalized anti-Semitism, Jewish hatred is right now. Despite this backlash to Kanye, unfortunately, I don't see it getting any better anytime soon. I know that's such a pessimistic attitude, but I don't know. I just, I just don't. Yeah. I mean, let's be clear here. So Kanye is also having a, a major mental health issues, which has been a, a discussion in all of this, that he needs help. Uh, that's to say also that you don't suddenly, uh, because you're bipolar, become anti-Semitic when you go off your meds. So uh, there's issues here. And as far as the, you know, situation, you know, I don't mean to be, you know, totally pessimistic, but like, you know, you go back 2000 years, Jill, anti-Semitism is an issue. You know, you go back to like, some people were asking about the origins of this. And you can go back to like, you know, the, the original uh, uh, conspiracy that Jews were blamed for killing Jesus, uh, which is, uh, you know, sort of, you can point to as the beginning of anti-Semitism and sort of the last two millennia, then not converting to Christianity, not converting to Islam, uh, propagated more anti-Semitism. For many centuries, those two faiths banned money lending and interest, taking interest, which left banking to the Jews. That didn't help. Uh, and so when you talk about things today, you have anti-Semitism from the left, where you know Jews are called white colonialists with too much power. You have anti-Semitism from the right, who say that Jews are not white, but also have too much power. Uh, so it's like the two sides disagree as to what's wrong with the Jews, but there's an issue with the Jews. And just for perspective here for folks, there's 2 billion Christians, about 2 billion Muslims, 
there's 14 million Jews in the world. Uh, and so, you know, it appears that this issue continues uh, here. But I guess the one hopeful thing is that people did, both Jews and non-Jews, uh, work together here. And there was this feeling of allyship, at least for a bit here, on, on the Kanye story. All right, switching gears here, we're about two weeks out from the midterm elections. We're starting to get a sense of turnout. According to data from election officials out Tuesday, more than 9.2 million pre-election ballots have already been cast across 40 states. That is from Edison Research and Catalyst. Pre-election voting still on pace with 2018. That was the highest midterm voter turnout in recent history. It's still too early to say if total voter turnout is going to exceed 2018 levels as voting habits may have significantly shifted in recent years. Florida continues to have the largest number of pre-election ballots cast with nearly 1.4 million. And it comes as Democrats have been shifting their message recently to the economy. Democrats had hoped to focus on social issues like abortion after the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade over the summer. And for undecided voters, you can add crime to that as well. Biden, also relatively unpopular. Yeah, when you say relatively, uh, one of the most unpopular sitting presidents <laughs> or uh, very. in modern history. <laughs> um, I mean, the issue is he's you know just slightly more unpopular than uh, Trump was at midterms. I think we're living in the modern era now where like the other party is never going to like uh, that person in office, at least not in the past decade. We haven't seen that with Obama, Trump, and now Biden. Uh, we have been talking about this Biden interview, Jill, that I posted a couple clips on Instagram. Uh, it was on MSNBC. Let me play a bit of uh, the interview that's getting uh, particular attention. Uh, Dr. Biden is for it. Mr. President. Oh, Dr. Biden thinks that, uh, my wife thinks that, uh, that I, uh, that, that, we're, that we're doing something very important and that I shouldn't walk away from it. So note the delay there. You might have heard it in the audio where Jonathan Capehart, the reporter, says, oh, uh, kind of like wondering what Biden is up to. It looked like he was losing his train of thought or the president was nodding off. Uh, either way, uh, it's clear here that either uh, the president wasn't quite sure where to go with that answer, had like either become distracted or clearly there might be a debate going on between him and the first lady about whether he should run again. And so he was taking some time to figure out what to say uh, to that unexpected question, which is like, what does the first lady say about you running again? Yeah, Moshe, I don't think it's ageist to say that he is clearly slowing down and he's just not as sharp as he was. Not for nothing. I could tell you even having kids. I had my daughter four years ago and this time around, it's just been four years. It's that much more difficult. I'm that much more exhausted with everything. Uh, I'm half the age of Joe Biden. I don't know if I could ever do the campaign schedule. It's grueling, right? And but not that this is about me. Big picture here. Um, the founding fathers, they put a minimum age in their requirements for president. That's 35 years old. There was no limit on that maximum age. But when they, you know, back then, you know, people weren't living quite as long as they are now. So you, you've got to wonder if perhaps they would have put some sort of age limit in there. Sure. I mean, it's, it's notable to say that on Inauguration Day 2025, uh, Joe Biden will be 82 years old. Uh, Donald Trump, who looks like uh, he's going to run again, will be 78 years old. Uh, average lifespan for an American male is 76, by the way. So they're both sort of uh, beyond that age limit. Uh, you know, I remember I was covering the McCain campaign for Fox back in 08, and he was 71 at the time. And there were questions about his age. Uh, Reagan, of course, got those questions back in 84 when he was 73 and was the oldest ever president inaugurated until, of course, Biden in 2020. 
And by the way, if Biden's going to be 82 on Inauguration Day, you know, that means he's going to be 86 at the end of his second term. Which is just old enough to run for Senate where Chuck Grassley's going his <laughs> 90s. I mean, honestly, if you look at the Senate right now, the number of people in their 80s and 90s. Anyway, but let's let's get to another key issue here. Actually, speaking of Congress, uh, let's talk Ukraine for a second. It took just 24 hours, Jill, for progressive lawmakers in the House to retract a letter to President Biden. The letter had urged him to shift his strategy on Ukraine calling on him to engage in direct diplomacy, basically peace talks with Russia, Vladimir Putin. That letter got major backlash from fellow Democrats. It was actually originally drafted back in June by 30 progressives kind of on the far left, it was not released. And then it was sort of leaked by one member of the caucus, Pramia Jayapal. Then she retracted it. It's unclear here as to why she leaked it, what purpose this had. Uh, and by the way, the timing of this letter is bizarre because uh, Ukraine has been on a major counteroffensive, taken major portions of their country back. Russia is on retreat. So it's unclear what she's trying to gain here. And effectively, as Democrats are sort of desperate to keep the House and Senate, uh, this is a distraction from the two weeks that they're trying to basically convince voters that they should remain in charge here. By the way, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, he recently suggested that if Republicans do win the House, that they could pull back on some of the funding that has gone to Ukraine. Some Dems have been going after them on that. So um, the letter undercuts that argument. Meanwhile, President Biden saying Russia would be making a, quote, serious, serious mistake if uh, it deploys a tactical nuclear weapon in Ukraine. It comes as Moscow was claiming that Ukraine is preparing to use a dirty bomb on the ground in Ukraine. Ukrainian officials have denied it. The concern here is that Russia could launch a false flag operation, basically using this as a pretext for launching a dirty bomb themselves. Biden saying, quote, I'm not guaranteeing that it's a false flag operation yet. We don't know. Again, it would be a serious, serious mistake. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's going to convince Putin not to do anything there. But uh, so there, Putin. So there, Putin. It's a serious, serious <laughs> mistake. I mean, that's part of the issue with Putin right now is that he feels he can get away with anything. Um, I mean, it's pretty remarkable that we're coming up on you know nine months of this war here. Jill, we've had one other major development since you've been gone that I neglected to mention at the top. This podcast now gets some sponsors. We are so big time, Moshe. I love it. Um, we're starting to bring in, you know, little bits, little bits of dollars. Uh, but we're very lucky that our first big sponsor uh, this week, again, is Athletic Greens. I just actually, Jill, started taking their AG1 supplement a couple of weeks ago. I'm excited to share my experience with the listeners and with you, Jill. I think we're going to be getting you some of that AG1 supplement soon. Please. I need all the help I can get these days. So trying to get all your vitamins in can be hard to keep track of and can get pricey. I was actually previously taking some vitamins with breakfast, some with lunch, some others with dinner. Uh, but I've switched now over to the AG1 supplement a few weeks ago. Uh, it's just one scoop with a glass of water in the morning. I found the experience to be simple and affordable. That powder, by the way, Jill, contains 75 important ingredients, including tons of vitamins, minerals, prebiotics, probiotics for gut health, all of this uh, for a strong immune system. As we head into the cold and flu season right now, it's your nutritional insurance policy. And the good news is Athletic Greens is giving all Mo News listeners a free one-year supply of their immune-supporting vitamin D, as well as five free travel packs of AG1 with your first purchase. You can head over to athleticgreens.com backslash Mo News. We'll have a link in the show notes to learn more about all that AG1 can do for your health. Take advantage of that offer. You can get a monthly subscription or, or just try it for one month. Again, it's athleticgreens.com backslash monews, M-O-N-E-W-S, to take ownership of your elf and pick up 
what they're calling the ultimate daily nutritional insurance, Jill. All right. I love it. And I can't wait to try it. Uh, Mosh, my favorite part of the podcast, besides, of course, our sponsors, the speed read. What do we have? We're bringing this back. We'll try to get through as many headlines as we can. I want to begin with a follow-up. The UK, congrats to them, has officially gotten themselves a new prime minister, their third in three months. Rishi Sunak was officially uh, invited to form a government by King Charles. It's a constitutional monarchy in Britain. Uh, Sort of the king's uh, technically has a choice here, but like in the modern era, you don't say no to the parties. So King Charles had a meeting with Rishi Sunak, has invited uh, him to form a government. Sunak is the uh, is made some history here. He is the youngest prime minister in 200 years. He's the first person of color, first Hindu to lead Britain. He was selected as the leader of the Conservative Party after uh, the fiasco of the last six weeks of the Liz Truss administration. Uh, notably, Sunak is actually one of the richest politicians to hold office. He actually has double the value of uh, King Charles, by the way. He's worth about $800 million. Uh, he did address the nation on Tuesday. He said that there's difficult decisions ahead as they deal with the economy, deal with very high inflation, in fact, much higher inflation than even we have here in the U.S. He says he is not daunted. Uh, by the way, uh, this is notable, Jill. Uh, Prince Charles had to wait 70 years uh, to get his job. Rishi Sunak, about six weeks after after losing <laughs> in the first go around to Liz Truss. So do you ever feel like you're like just living through something that's going to just be a Jeopardy question one day? I feel like this entire saga with, with, in terms of what's going on with the government there yeah. is just ripe for trivia. Right. Well, in, it, in 25 years from now or even 10 years from now, we're going to be at some bar playing trivia or, you know, our kids watching Jeopardy with our kids. And they're going to say something like, you know, shortest uh, running UK prime minister, last prime minister uh, to meet with uh, Queen Elizabeth. Yadi. I just feel like all of this yeah. is so ripe for, for all, trivia. All you have to remember out there in podcast world, who is Liz Truss? <laughs> yes. Um, Meanwhile, we have this headline coming to us from ESPN. A Russian court has rejected Brittany Griner's appeal of her nine-year sentence. This is not uh, that much of a surprise. U.S. officials have called it yet another illegitimate proceeding. For now, though, she has about eight years left in her sentence for alleged drug trafficking. Just a few weeks ago, notable Bill Richardson, the former New Mexico governor and ambassador to the UN, said he is cautiously optimistic that he can reach a deal to get Griner and also this other American who's in prison in Russia, Paul Whelan, released by the end of the year. He told CNN Russia appeared to be willing to move forward on an agreement to exchange Griner and Whelan for two Russian prisoners held by the United States. So we'll see uh, what happens there. Yeah, let's hope we can get Brittany home by Christmas, along with Paul Whelan. Uh, right now, it's a big uh, Russian uh, drug dealer, uh, arms dealer, sorry, that they're looking at as a part of that agreement. A drug, we're going to send you an arms dealer for our WNBA player. Meanwhile, we got another headline from uh, Elon Musk. He's still in the news. Uh, now that you've come back, he has gone back and forth on whether he'd buy Twitter, of course. Uh, but at the same time, as he has talked about what he might finally do to Twitter once he owns it, there's been an exodus of workers to other tech giants like Facebook and Google. A new survey has found that just in the past 90 days, uh, while you're on maternity leave, uh, Jill, about 530 workers have left Twitter, uh, 60% more than had left Twitter during the previous quarter. Uh, by the way, the pace here has increased during the past few weeks, as it looks more likely that Musk will buy the company. They face a deadline, everyone. A Friday, we should be getting news as to whether he's actually buying Twitter or not. A Delaware judge has given him until this Friday to close the deal for real this time with feeling 
Uh, otherwise, he will set a <laughs> new trial date for Twitter to sue him again for backtracking. By the way, here at the uh, Wall Street Journal Tech Live conference, just came out a session with Rolf Bota. He's uh, with Sequoia. He's part of what they call the South African Mafia. Goes back with Elon years. Sequoia, by the way, has put $800 million, uh, with Elon to actually buy Twitter for about 40-something billion. Uh, for his part, Botha said in a session today, it will happen. It will go down. And also when it comes to tech workers from the insider, Oracle is steering clear of talent from major tech hubs in the cloud giant's latest move to cut costs. So Oracle has been trying to avoid candidates in cities like San Francisco, Seattle, and New York, opting instead for people living in smaller cities with lower salary expectations and a lower cost of living. Morale reportedly already quite low. Oracle's had two rounds of layoffs recently and wants to save about a billion dollars in costs. Yeah, we've seen this bloodletting uh, with a bunch of tech companies uh, in the past uh, few months now as the market has really collapsed this year particularly the NASDAQ. And so a lot of this is not surprising. Uh, Jill, we have one more tech story. This one from The Verge. Amazon will officially now let you buy things with Venmo. I feel like this is sort of dangerous, Jill. Starting this week, <laughs> some Amazon customers uh, can start paying for orders using the popular money app Venmo. Uh, it should be available to all customers in the U.S. Again, this is very dangerous. By Black Friday. Um, so users can pull money from their Venmo balance, a linked bank account, or eligible debit card. Get ready, folks, uh, for Venmo meets Amazon. Okay, and here's a title that no one wants. The most rat-infested city in the United States is, unbelievably, not New York. Okay, Mosh, any guesses? Well, yeah, Jill, this is the only time in the podcast, I don't even know in the history of this podcast, where you haven't let me research a story in advance. Um, <laughs> all right. So if New York is in second place, um, I, I don't know. I, I Listen, is it my hometown of Chicago? It is. <laughs> uh, I was going to do I was going to do like a ding, 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 ding. But I, I my voice, I kind of lost it recently because uh, I wasn't feeling well. So, yes, Mosh, you are correct. Um, according to this new survey by the extermination firm Orkin, the rattiest, rattiest city in America in 2022 is Chicago, Wait, do we know New York. Why? Is- do we know why that is? Because like, like I've talked about how Chicago, because of the fire in the late 1800s, they got to rebuild and have alleyways. They don't have to put garbage on the street there. Like, what is going on there? I don't know the science behind it. New York is second. Um, Los Angeles is third. The most improved city is South Bend, Indiana, which I didn't even think would have rats, well, right? I mean, just like a, a non, I don't okay, know, I a, a smaller here. city doesn't. Okay. Yes, t- talk to me. First, there's there's 2020 election deniers and they have issues with the facts. But I'm going to call for a recount here uh, for of rats because <laughs> as a New Yorker who's lived here for more than a decade, I will readily admit that Actually, I actually have a video of a rat um, uh, eating ooh, a donut ooh. recently that I didn't post because people are grossed out by it, but I was going to post it on Wait, Instagram. you took it. I took it. Because you took it? Literally, I was like, donut rat. It's like it's like pizza rat, but like, you know, 2022. But now I have a theory. If the most improved city is South Bend, Indiana, which is located adjacent to Chicago, and Chicago is now number one, has South Bend sent all of its rats over to Chicago? <laughs> How would they do that? I don't know. Would somebody get the... I I, I don't know, but I just have to say, South Bend is like less than an hour away from Chicago. So like, what's happening, folks? You make a great point, Moshe. 
And then finally, from the New York Times, James Corden addressing his restaurant ban. The Late Late Show host speaking out about getting banned from the popular restaurant Baltazar for being rude to a server. On his show this week, he explained what happened. He said his wife's meal came and it was something that she was allergic to. She luckily did not take a bite. They sent it back. And when it came back wrong for a third time, he says he made a sarcastic comment to the server about cooking it himself. He said he didn't shout or raise his voice but he apologized nonetheless. He said he understands the difficulties of being a server, having worked at restaurants himself for years. The owner of Baltazar, though, Keith McNally, describing the incident a bit differently on his social media account. Um, But this was surprising to me because James Gordon, he just seems so sweet and loving, right? Yeah, I was surprised to see that whole story about him mistreating the uh, waitstaff there. Uh, Though the owner of the Baltazar is also known for, you know, his own publicity stunts of sorts. So... That's interesting. Right. By the way, in, in the quick time you're reading that story, Jill, I did do a Google. Chicago, apparently number <laughs> one in rats for eight years running. What's going on there? It's, I'm, I don't I'm know. I'm now genuinely concerned. I, 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 I now go back on my need for a recount. Clearly, Chicago has a rat problem, and we need to get to the bottom of it. I'm going to call my family Ugh. to look into it. it, it there's, I mean, there, it's so disgusting. I, the, just the, this New York, I mean, look, I, I have not seen rats in Chicago. I haven't been to Chicago in I years, but either. New York City rats are so gross. They're all over the place. And by the way, the mayor in New York last week uh, actually called, there's a new rule <laughs> about how late you need to put your garbage out so the rats have less dinner time the night before. Because by the way, oh. folks, folks who haven't been to New York, Literally, there's no alleyways in New York because the way New York was developed, Manhattan. And so people put their garbage on the street. And, like, it's totally normal for those of us who live in the city. Where, like, outsiders come in and they're like, why do you guys put your garbage bags on the street? This is disgusting. One of my friends um, had a rat run over his shoe a few years, many years ago, actually. And it was the biggest debate. He's like, what do I do? Do I throw out the shoe? Do I keep the shoe? I think he kept the shoe. Well, this is the thing. The rats and the pigeons in New York, they're just like used to humans. And they just like hang out with us, you know, like, you know, anyway, Um, Jill, it's good to have you back. I think (laughs) we'll have you for the rest of the week uh, as you transition back to us. Um, I feel like I was a little rusty tonight. So for everyone who's just listening and this is their first episode with me, give me another chance. I promise I'll be a little quicker tomorrow. Uh, Jill also has access to our podcast at mo.news email account. Again, you can email feedback to Jill. Let her know uh, how you feel about her level of rust or not at podcast at mo.news. I want to thank all of you. Thank Jill for coming back. Uh, It's great to have you back. Uh, I want to thank all of you for listening to the podcast. Please follow or subscribe to the show on whatever app you listen to us on. Also, leave us a review. Uh, it helps us continue to grow the program. Uh, we're putting the final touches right now, Jill, on the Mo News newsletter for Wednesday. People should go check that out, monews.bolton.com. What do we have in store? Mosh, we are all about the midterms with about two weeks until the vote. Uh, you have a great interview with Jake Sherman, so we'll be profiling that. Yeah, we'll uh, dive deep into what expectations are. Uh, Jake and I go way back. He was with uh, Plico for years, founded Punchbowl News, which is a politics uh, DC-centric newsletter uh, for those of you who really like the inside baseball there. But Jake breaks down what to expect. Uh, he just had some recent interviews with both Nancy Pelosi and and Kevin McCarthy. And of course, if you don't by now, follow uh, the Instagram account over at Moshe at M-O-S-H-E-H for the latest and greatest. Uh, I've been following the um, All Things Wall Street Journal Tech Live conference here. Uh, And I'm headed right now, actually, Jill, as we finish this taping, to go see an interview with the uh, CEO of Snapchat. So I'll let you know what what comes of that. Uh, uh, I love it. Evan Spiegel? Yes. Very cutie pie. 
I'll, I'll let him know your thoughts. <laughs> All right, everybody. Oh, my God. I'm way too tired. I'm way no, too no, tired. No, no, it's good. I, we're, I, I, we're keeping that. I wasn't ready for Hold prime on. time. We're, okay. We're keeping that. We're keeping that, everybody. Uh, Jill, we're keeping it raw for everybody. Everyone, we'll see you back tomorrow, depending on your emails to podcast at mo.news and how you feel about Jill's return. <laughs> All right. Bye, everyone.